on July the 4th, 1776, America adopted the Declaration of Independence. On that day, America declared her freedom and her independence from the tyranny and from the oppressive rule of England. Can you imagine for a moment the guts that it took for those men and women to stand up to an incredible government like what was that of England and say, no more. We're going to be free. Can you imagine the boldness that it took for those men, our, our forefathers, our foremothers to stand against the tyranny of a nation like England? In so doing, not only were they declaring their independence from England in a very real way, they were declaring their dependence on God. Because if God wasn't going to save them, there wasn't going to be no Savior. And so for 245 years now, freedom has been the battle cry of our country. There are many symbols that we see for freedom Many symbols that we use for the freedom that Americans enjoy. I think of old glory. I think that if you want to turn your back on her, won't you find somewhere else to live? I think of the Liberty Bell. I think of the bald eagle in all of its majestic flight. I think of the Statue of Liberty. I think of that statue of the victory at Iwo Jima. You know the one where the soldiers are pushing up the flag. I think of the Arlington Cemetery where over 400,000 American soldiers, seamen, and airmen. I think of the Lincoln Memorial as a symbol of freedom. And I even think of our money. Hold up that down. What does it say on your dime? Have you read it? Liberty. Did you know that on every coin, every American coin, the same word is found? Liberty. Freedom. But it's not only symbols that people see 
to remind us of freedom. Many people are reminded of their freedom by the songs they hear. We've sung many of them this morning. We hear songs like the Star Spangled Banner. And can I just say that if you're going to kneel during that song, why don't you kneel in prayer for the men and women who gave their lives for your freedom? Songs like the Ray Charles classic, his rendition of America the Beautiful. Boy, he chewed that one up, didn't he? I think of Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA. That reminds me of my freedom. But there's one song that stands above them all to me. One song that in 1831... A 24-year-old man by the name of Samuel Francis Smith, he sat down to write the words of a patriotic song. And in less than 30 minutes, he finished what has been called our unofficial national anthem. Would you stand with me for a second as we sing the first and last stanza of this song? My country, tis a free, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. Our fathers, God, to thee, offer of liberty, to thee we sing. Long may our land be bright with freedom's holy light. Protect us by thy might, great God, our King. Amen. Please be seated. But you know that with all those symbols of freedom and with all those songs of freedom, there is only one symbol of true freedom that applies for all men and women of the world. And that is that cross. The cross of Jesus Christ. Therefore, today, I want to share with you a message entitled, Letting True Freedom Ring. You see, one of our founding fathers, Patrick Henry, said it best. He said, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not on religion, but on Christianity. Not by religionists, but by Christians. This great nation was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no greater symbol of everlasting, life-changing freedom than the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, if the Son makes you free, 
then you'll be free indeed. As I read that this week, I said, okay, how? How can I experience this true freedom that only Jesus offers? You'll turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 8. I believe that the Lord gives it to us in a few short verses. In John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, the scriptures tell us that then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you say it. Free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the Father's house forever, but the Son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Free indeed. So according to the Lord's words right there, we get to experience true freedom when we, A, practice discipleship according to the scriptures. Verse 31 begins, Jesus saying, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. U.S. Congressman, Senator, and Founding Father Daniel Webster declared, The gospel is true history or it's a perfect fraud. He said the gospel is either a reality or it is a nuisance. Jesus is who he professed to be or he is an imposter. There is no other alternative. Every act in his pure and holy life showed that Jesus was the author of truth, the advocate of of truth, the earnest defender of truth, and an uncompromising sufferer for the truth. Jesus said, if you abide in my words, you'll be my disciples indeed. And the truth, you shall know the truth. So how do I abide in the word of the Lord so that I can be free indeed? So that I can know the truth. Well, there's four qualities that are involved here in knowing the truth, in abiding in the word of the Lord, if you will. Number one, abiding involves constant listening to the words of Jesus. Constant listening to the words of Jesus. There was once a preacher in England by the name of John Brown. And almost every sermon that John Brown preached, he would stop in about the middle of his sentence and he would look up. Like he was listening for a voice. The true disciple of Jesus Christ is the believer who listens closely for that still, soft whisper of the Holy Spirit of God. There is literally no decision that the true disciple of Jesus will make without having first heard what God has to say about the matter. Abiding 
involve a constant listening to the words of Jesus. Secondly, abiding involves a continual learning from the words of Jesus. That word, disciple, in the original language of the Bible, literally means learner. Are you a learner of the Lord Jesus Christ? See, all his or her life, the true disciple is learning more and more about the character of Jesus and how they might become more and more like him through their continual learning from the words of Jesus. But abiding also involves a consistent looking for the truth in the words of Jesus. You see, nobody can hear or read the Bible or the words of Jesus just once and claim to fully understand the truth. The, the Bible is the living Word of God. And the living Word of God has different implications for you as you go into different seasons of your life. So it has to be consistent. It has to be continual as you look for truth. To abide in the Word of Jesus means that you study it. It means that you think about it, you meditate on it, and you think about what Jesus taught you more and more until, here we go, until His truth becomes my truth. Until the truth of Jesus becomes the truth of Bill Barlow. That is when I become a disciple. Jesus said, if you abide in my truth, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth. Well, what is that truth? What is that truth? Well, it's not only that Jesus is our Savior. It's not only that Jesus is the Lord of our life. But it also means that we recognize and we incorporate what Jesus says as real values in life. Real values in life. You alone, friend must answer this question. You alone must answer this question for yourself. To what am I going to give my life? To what am I going to give my life? Am I going to give my life to a career? Am I going to give my life to gaining material possessions? Am I going to give my life to pleasure? Or am I going to give my life to serving the God who designed me, created me, gave me life, and has preserved me to this day? To what are you going to give your life? You see, Jesus shows us the truth about what's really important and what's not. So abiding involves this constant listening. It involves this continual learning. It involves this consistent looking into the words of Jesus. But perhaps most importantly, abiding involves constant living by the words of Jesus Christ. We don't study the word of God to fill our brain with useful, useless information. 
We don't study the Word of God to fill our brains with information overload. No, we study His Word, listen to this, to find out what He wants us to do. We study His Word to find out what God wants us to do. The true disciple learns in order to do and keep on doing. read a little story about a little boy who was watching his mama rub cold cream on her face. And he went up to his mama and he said, what you doing, mommy? Why are you rubbing that cream on your face, mommy? And the mother said, well, I put it on to make myself beautiful. Well, just a few minutes later, mom started wiping the, the cream off with a tissue. And the little boy came up and said, what's the matter, mommy? Are you giving up? Listen carefully. Jesus don't want us giving up. He don't want us giving up. And that's why he asks us to be constantly learning, continually listening, consistently looking, but constantly living by the words that he's given us. He wants us to continue. He wants us to remain diligent to abide in His Word, to study His Word, to grow in our understanding of His Word, to obey His Word and apply His Word. Do you know that's what, what every ministry is about at Bethel Baptist Church? What are life groups about? Applying the Word of God. What is worship at Bethel Baptist Church all about? Honoring the Lord and applying the Word of God to our lives. What is the children's ministry about? Making sure that the next generation has the tools and the weapons they need to combat this perverse and corrupt generation we live in. As a result of this, friend, we begin to open ourselves up to the truth. We open ourselves up to the truth of what's really important in life. See, sometimes we get distracted by these unimportant things. Have you ever been distracted? By unimportant things. Nod your head like this. Because we all have. See when the word of Christ. The words of Christ. Take root in our lives. When we truly begin to follow Jesus. We begin to gain this true understanding. Of, here it comes. Freedom. Freedom. You finally begin to realize. What it means. To be a liberated Christian. A Christian that's free. Free. We begin to understand the difference between right and wrong. We begin to truly understand the difference between the true things and the false things. And we begin to get glimpses. Glimpses of the nature of our loving Heavenly Father. Can I just tell you this morning? God loves you so much. And he's giving you an instruction manual. Amen. So that you can live in freedom. So that you can live liberated from many, many things. So we experience this true freedom when we practice discipleship according to the Bible. According to the scripture. But we also experience true freedom when we perceive 
the deception of our own sin. Let's keep reading, beginning in verse 33. Let's see what Jesus had to say. And they, those who were listening to Jesus, answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll be made free? And Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Right out of the gate, we need to understand that we never need to forget the past, times past about ourselves. You need to be able to look back at the old you. And my prayer is that you see a drastic difference between the old you and the current you. See, when Jesus started talking about true freedom, these Jewish leaders immediately took issue. As far as they were concerned, they were free. After all, they were Abraham's descendants. But had they forgotten the past that they prided themselves on? Did they forget the hundreds of years of bondage in Egypt? Had they forgotten that the whole nation, the whole nation had been exiled to Assyria at one time? Had they forgotten that they were in Babylon at one time? Did they forget that at this very moment that they spoke these words, they were under the current uh, administration of Roman rulers? They were under and subject to Roman rulers at the time. I mean, how quickly do we forget how we used to be? Amen? How quickly do we forget how we used to be. Amen? I mean, do you remember your past mistakes? Do you remember when you blew it sky high? Do you remember your failures? Do you remember the times that you were in bondage to sin? That you were in bondage to Satan? That you were in bondage to self? Do you remember when you were in bondage to society? Even the most righteous people among us have moments in their lives that they would change if they could. But these Jews, they thought Jesus was talking about physical freedom. But he was talking about spiritual freedom. He was talking about being forgiven of sin. He was talking about living an abundant life. He was talking about being assured of eternal life in the presence of Almighty God. But not only must we never forget times past about ourselves, we also need to face the truth. We need to face the truth in times present about ourselves. You see, you and I, even though we are born again, I pray, born-again Christians, we need to face our sin. We need to face our sin. Earlier in chapter 8, Jesus forced these Jews to face their sin. You remember the story. They had caught a woman in the very act of adultery, and they bring the woman, and they throw that woman down in front of Jesus because they're trying to trap him. The law of Moses 
said that that woman was to be stoned to death. But the law of Jesus said something far different. Listen carefully. John chapter 8 verse 3. The scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in his midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something with which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down. And he wrote on the ground with his finger. As though he did not hear. And when they continued asking him, he raised himself up. And he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. Let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and from now on, don't be sinning. You see, we need to face our sin just like these Jews had to face their sin. These were religious people. These were the churchgoers. These are the saved, the born-again Christians, if you will. See, so, so often we find it easy. We find it easy to point out the sins of others while overlooking our own sin condition. Friend, are you quick? Are you quick to point out the sins of others? If so, I want to remind you that that kind of attitude is a demonstration of pride. And do you remember the sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven? It was pride. So let's first make sure that we face our sin before we go trying to help others with theirs. Friend, are you living in bondage to sin? Are you living in the captivity of Satan? Are you living in freedom from the limitations of self? Are you living in freedom from the trappings of society? I say we need to be Galatians 5.1 Christians. I say that we need to be standing fast in our liberty. 
standing fast in the liberty with which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again in that yoke of bondage to sin. Friends, we experience true freedom when we practice discipleship according to the scriptures and when we perceive, perceive the deception of our own sin. But finally, we experience this true freedom when we possess deliverance through the Son. Let's finish reading verse 35. Jesus said, A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You may not know this, another perhaps useless piece of information, but Roger Freeman, Roger Freeman was the only founding father to sign all four of the first founding documents. The Articles of Association, the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation, and the Constitution. And Roger wrote this word. He said, I believe that God did send his own son to become a man. That God sent his own son to become a man and to die in the stead of sinners and thus lay the foundation of pardon and salvation that all may be saved who are willing to accept the gospel offer. The only one to sign all four documents and make it a statement like that. You see, there is good news, my friend. There is good news. You don't have to be a slave to sin. You don't have to, to be uh, in bondage. You can be free. You can be free. You can be a true child of God. You can belong to the family of God. You can live in true freedom, in true freedom from Satan. Do you know that he is a defeated enemy? Say amen. He is a defeated enemy. Do you know that he does cause us problems? Say, yeah, I know he causes me problems. Amen. He does cause us problems, but it's our choice. We are free to choose to resist him. We are free to choose to turn to Christ instead. We can have true freedom from Satan, but we can also live in true freedom from ourselves. Last week, I mentioned that we are often our own greatest enemy. We're often our own greatest enemy. Many people cry out, I can't change myself. I've tried and it's impossible. And you know, you might be right, but listen carefully. The power in the presence of Jesus Christ has changed millions. Millions of people. We can also live in true freedom from society. How many people are fearful about what other people think and what other people say? Often we are. We're fearful about what they think or say. In fact, it's been said that the voice of our neighbor is often louder than the voice of God. But in becoming a Jesus a disciple of Jesus Christ, one ceases to care what someone else thinks. We cease to care what somebody else says about us because we're only concerned about what God says. Finally, not only can you live in true freedom from Satan, 
from self and from society, you can live in true freedom from sin. As believers, not only are we given this privilege of heaven and eternal life, we're also given power through the Holy Spirit of God to live this life free from sin. Now, don't misunderstand me. I didn't say that you can be sinless. I'm just saying you can be free from sin's bondage. Free. See, Jesus Christ has set us free. Free to rise above sin. He set us free to live a holy life. He set us free to finally choose what's right. He set us free to finally choose to keep on growing in him. We are free to reach the potential that God created us to be. Unfortunately, we do fail. We do falter. But we do sin. But I believe, I believe that the Lord loves us. And he loves us perhaps most of all when we blow it, but get up and try again. Never has there been such love. Never in the history of humanity has there been such hope. Never has there been such freedom than what Jesus Christ demonstrated on a cross like that. If the Son makes you free, you can be free indeed. Friend, will you accept the Son of God as your Lord and Savior and be free? You can experience true freedom. You can be a disciple of Jesus Christ by following Him, hearing His Word, abiding in His Word, trusting in His Word, and obeying His Word. You can experience true freedom and not be deceived. You see, we have in this nature the ability to be bound by sin. None of us is innocent. We all have the same sin problem. We all have need of the Son who can make us free. But we can experience true freedom. We can be delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ who permanently places us in the family of God and gives us the strength that we need to be all that God created us to become. So what will your decision be today? You see, we never come to the conclusion of a message coming from the Word of God that doesn't result in us making a call. There always has to be a decision made. Today's is, will you remain in a life of slavery? Will you remain in a life of bondage? Will you remain, listen carefully, in a life of mediocre devotion? Or 
Will you choose a life of freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ? I choose freedom. I choose freedom in the Lord. Grab a hold of that dime one more time. I already pointed out that one word that's on the face of that dime. Liberty. I believe that the Lord wants you to be free. Free from the trappings of society. Free from the bondage of sin. Free from slavery to self-centeredness. But there's something else on the flip side of this dime. And the words appear in Latin. And it says, E pluribus unum. Now I can see that many of you are struggling to read what that says. This one is going, Take my word for it, sister. It says, E pluribus unum. Does anybody happen to know what that means in English? Don't feel bad. I had to lift it up too. E pluribus unum. Out of many. See, what happens is, when you accept the liberty that Jesus Christ offers you, you're no longer part of the many. You become part of the one. You become part of the body of Christ. You were many. You need to become part of the one body. So we accept the liberty that Jesus offers through his sacrificial death on the cross and his glorious resurrection from the grave. And then we become a part of his body. Out of many. One. Liberty, then unity. Our country could really use a good dose of that today. We need more liberty. And we need more unity. If today is your day to accept the liberty that Jesus Christ offers you, I want to encourage you to come forward during our decision time. And I'll show you just what the Bible says about how you can be born again, saved from sin, eternally forgiven, and promised an inheritance in heaven with Almighty God. Let me pray for you. Thank mm-hmm. you.